Dear congregation, let us turn in God's holy word to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and we'll read the first 11 verses regarding the account of Christ's ascension into heaven. Acts chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they, came, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, to, it, to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we gather together to worship our Lord and remember his redemptive work of his glorious ascension into heaven, then we recognize that there's something very, very special about it. This is what we would call his coronation day, his crowning day. And we think about that in our culture, and not too many countries have monarchies anymore where there's an actual coronation, but, but whether it's a, a monarchy or even another types of government in this world where people come into power, then we recognize that, that as governments are formed, there's a vision that's given, there's promises and commitments to, to those who they have authority over. There's, there's a commissioning to those who will be a part of their government in various uh, leadership roles and various committees and so on. And finally, there's this exercising of authority throughout their domain. And we see this, really, as we turn to the book of Acts. And we think about how it's often titled Acts of the Apostles, but really that's not a, a, a very good title for it. And, and, and really what we need to understand is that these are the acts of our Lord Jesus Christ who has ascended into heaven and has given his Holy Spirit and his apostles and all of his people to be witnesses of him throughout this world. 
And we find that, especially as we think about the purpose of Acts. It's really to show that Christ did indeed ascend, and that did not necessarily remove him from his church, but rather empowers his church through his Holy Spirit and through his own life and his resurrection and and as he equips his church by his Spirit and he sends his servants and commissions them to go out to the ends of the earth, he exercises his rule over all the nations, even with the rod of iron. And we recognize that as we turn to, to the, 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 the gospel of Acts and, and really the, the, the work of continued work of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who, who was truly crowned in a far greater way than, than any earthly king could ever be crowned. Although we recognize that, that Christ it didn't form a new government here on earth, it was, it was always God himself who, who was on the throne. And yet, as, a, as Christ ascended into heaven, we remember his crowning as God himself establishes his work, establishes his vision, establishes his gospel promises, and all of his commitments to his people as he commissions his servants in his church to exercise that dominion through the whole world. And so, we want to be especially encouraged by the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ today as we look at Acts chapter 1. And I'd like to look at this with the theme, uh, Christ's ascension as the head of his church. And we'll see that with three thoughts. That First of all, this, as Christ ascends as the head of his church, he establishes his gospel, the gospel. And secondly, he commissions his servants. And thirdly, he exercises his dominion. Christ's ascension then as the head of his church, establishing his gospel. Acts chapter 1 begins with these words, A former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. In other words, this, this uh, book of the Bible, Acts, is written by Dr. Luke. The same one who wrote, uh, the same one who wrote Luke's gospel, and he begins it also there, addressing that gospel to Theophilus, the most excellent one, and and, and it could be that he was a, this one who he was writing to was a high government official or 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 someone very important that there would be a formal polite address given to him, a most excellent or most honorable one. And so as he, as he writes this, he continues to, to support all that he has written in the gospel, all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. And in here he describes what he continues to do and to teach, even from the right hand of God. And so this is really a, a, a prophetical confirmation of the first gospel, and it's a, it's a clear testimony of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ containing all of his life, all of his teaching, and, and his suffering and his resurrection as now the, the, the disciples are testifying of this to the whole world. And now this, this testimony and this vision statement 
This has been given now by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And, and his gospel is really what has established this. And this is being worked out now in history. Luke was a very careful uh, historian, and, and he wants all of these accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ and these historical accounts to be written down to show that indeed Christ in his testimony and his promises, the gospel is true. And so, so Christianity, we recognize here, is not just simply a teaching, but it's, it's a very person, the person and work of the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the Bible and the Acts of the Apostles here in this, this book that Dr. Luke has written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is just not helpful in our daily lives and in the realm of politics or anything like that. But it's, it's, rather, it's rather more than that. It's more than that. It, it's really... Um, the hope and the life of, of the early church and also the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today as it really sets forth these events and facts as truth. And we need to recognize, first of all, that, that here at the beginning of the Gospel of Acts, we find that, that um, the, the converts, the 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 disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ were, were not these really bold and strong and courageous men. Matter of fact, they were, they were quite, quite ignorant. I mean, they, they still needed a lot, lot of work to do in, in developing their understanding. They, 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 they weren't even sure 100% of their identity. And, and, and they were struggling now with what's, what's happening to Jesus. Where has he gone? They stand gazing up into heaven. And, and really what we see here is that it's not necessarily about the disciples themselves, but it's about who Christ is and the power of his Holy Spirit in equipping his disciples. And this is a great encouragement for us also today. And isn't that true that in his last meetings with his disciples, the Lord Jesus Christ had pointed out to them and promised them time and time again, although he must die, Although he will be raised again, he will ascend into heaven to go to be with his Father. And, and there he will prepare a place for them, even at the right hand of God. And, and he will prepare a home for them in heaven. We find that in John 14. And, and we know in the meantime that he's not going to leave us comfortless. He's, he's not going to leave us as orphans, but he's going to send us another comforter one who walks alongside us. He, he's going to send one who will dwell within us, namely the Holy Spirit. And he promises never to leave us. As a matter of fact, he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. You can be assured of that. And the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ even grants unto the disciples in Acts chapter 1 here two messengers after he ascends into heaven and, and, and these two messengers come to him come to them and, and, and they're standing there and, and finally they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. So not only will Christ be with us by his Spirit throughout all time, all the ages, even until he comes again, but he's coming again. 
And when he comes again, he will take us up to be with him where he is for all eternity. What an encouragement the gospel is. What an encouragement this vision is. And, and, and here his ascension establishes the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ from his humble birth unto his coming again when all of his salvation will be culminated and there we will be with him forever face to face beholding his glory to be with him forever. And that's, that's the message of the gospel. It's all through this person, this head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes and he establishes his, his vision and his commitment to us. And he says to us, don't be afraid of this gospel message. Don't be afraid even of the challenges that will come your way in this life. Don't be afraid because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you as orphans in this world. You you must never doubt for a moment that I will forget about you. Because it's actually better for you that I ascend to heaven and there rule over all things at my Father's right hand. As I put all things under my footstool, and when all things are accomplished, I will come again on the clouds of heaven on that last day. Do you believe the testimony of the gospel? Do you believe this revelation of God in his word and the glorious promises to all who believe in him, to all who are committed to him by faith? Dr. Luke, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this for our benefit today to give us encouragement, so that we would also believe and surrender to King Jesus as the head over all exalted. And he establishes this very truth with, as he says, infallible proofs. How often isn't it, children, that parents make promises and commitments that they simply can't follow through on? Or maybe even office bearers of the church make promises and commitments that they can't follow through on. Or government leaders make promises and commitments that they can't follow through on. But God in Christ Jesus, through His coronation, through His crowning, establishes every one of His gospel promises. The proof is in God's Word and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, Jesus has much more planned for his disciples and for all Christians than just to believe in him. As a matter of fact, he has much in store for his disciples in their lifetime yet and for every Christian that ever lived. It's not only that they would believe in the gospel, but that they would also be commissioned unto the gospel. And so that's what we see in our second point. The ascension of Christ as the head of his church commissions his servants. And first of all, we should then think about what does commission mean? Well, commission means to commit a task to someone or to mandate them to do something. For example, as a pastor, uh, there was a point in time where I was commissioned and charged to, to 
us as a congregation here in St. George. Before that, I was commissioned to, to lead a congregation in, in, in Alberta. And, and before that, I was even called out of farming to, to become a pastor. And, and, and you're given, really, a mandate in, in, in the way of a pastor. You have to go through education and seminary to, to be able to, to do this. And, and most of all, though, we need a commission to be instructed and to depend on the Holy Spirit. And that could go for elders or deacons or any committee member or any parent or anyone who is a Christian. And the first thing that he points out here is that, that they need to depend on the Holy Spirit. As Jesus ascends to heaven, he commissions his servants, and he tells them they must depend on the Holy Spirit. You can find that in the last chapter of Luke, but also here in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. As he is assembled to, they're, they're assembled together there to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. That's what the, Jesus had taught them in, in, in John and Gospel of John and Gospel of Luke. You see it as well. And, and he, he says to them, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they needed to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And this instruction was important for them. And this instruction meant that, that they were not going to be strong and bold and courageous in themselves. As a matter of fact, they were weak and frail. But, but Christ here is giving them His Holy Spirit, which will strengthen them, which will give them boldness and courage and words to speak. And so these instructions are very important, not only for the disciples, but also for us today in Christian ministry. So often, um, so often we think about ministry, and we think about uh, how ministry de- might depend more upon man than upon the Holy Spirit. Because we need to recognize that that people doing God's ministry are not to do it according to their flesh and through their own strength and to their own boldness. And this isn't just for ministers of the gospel or elders or deacons or missionaries. This is also for parents and for for anyone who is a Christian in this world. All ministry and all witnessing of Christ is to be done through the Holy Spirit. We need, desperately need, His Holy Spirit. But when we think about the church... We, we so often in our culture get so distracted from this and we find that we place our hope and our strength and our security in physical things, in people or in material. And we substitute things for the power of the Holy Spirit. Our excellent programs, our most modern technology and our best management practices and our beautiful building facilities or whatever it would be. Someone wrote that 95% of what happens in churches today could be done without the Holy Spirit. And many people, many people will flock to churches that have 
have all of these things to offer, programs to offer, rather, rather, than, rather than depending on the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, all of our excellent programs would ultimately be futile, would be empty, would be worthless. And so we need to recognize, first and foremost, just like the disciples needed to, that we are weak and insufficient people and need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus is is commissioning his servants not to go in their own strength, but to go in dependence on the Holy Spirit, even to wait for a time until they are baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so we also, like the disciples, need to, need to say, I will not go unless you bless me. Even as Jacob did. And this is especially recognized when we think about the disciples in, in the very question that they come to the Lord with. They come to him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see how much they had to learn yet. And how much so many of us also have to learn. We need to learn that God is in sovereign control of all things, of all times, of all seasons, of all revivals. That God is in his, is in sovereign control. And we need to follow his will. And we need to depend upon him. You see what the disciples' problem here was, and many times ours is too, is we would rather speculate rather than base our hope and confidence on a sure testimony. And that's why Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know, but rather you just be, you just be faithful and be witnesses of me. And just like for us too, we, we would rather work off perceptions and what we perceive to be happening rather than simply receiving power from God and His Holy Spirit. We would rather think about things like nationalism, like the disciples were here. When will you, when will you uh, bring back the kingdom of Israel? And, and Jesus tells them, no, it's not about nationalism. It's about universalism. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the end of the earth. It's not a physical kingdom, but it's rather a spiritual kingdom. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you will know. You see, they had a lot to learn. And I would argue we have many of the same things to learn. And we need to recognize that it's the Lord who is in control of His time. And he's in control of all the seasons and all of the revivals. And we need to follow him. And we need to follow him faithfully. And that's why we desperately need his Holy Spirit in ministry and in parenting and in whatever we do in this world. We need to be in his word because that's where his spirit directs us. We need to be in fellowship with one another. That's where the spirit also blesses his word and encourages us. You see these things throughout throughout Acts, you see that that they're in prayer, in the Word, in fellowship, giving one another accountability and structure, ensuring that each one knows the Lord personally in their own lives, and that they would always be ready. 
Be ready in season and out of season to be a witness to Christ. That's what we see in verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. You see, the burning question is not, when will the kingdom be restored to Israel, but rather, who is commissioned, and how are we commissioned to spread the good news of the gospel to the world? And that's really the summary of the Great Commission that we find in in really all four of the Gospels to one extent or another. And we would go to the ends of the earth preaching the Gospel. And I think it's also summarized in Acts 10, verse 42, isn't it? Where he has commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead that we would bring this message to the end of the world. That's what he commissions us to be, to be witnesses to Christ. And as one person wrote, this realization clearly implies that this is Christ's last command and it should be our first concern. His last command should be our first concern concern. And isn't that really what we find throughout Paul's epistles as well? We think about it even in 1 Corinthians 12, how how God has given every single Christian differing gifts, a, a diverse amount of gifts, but one Spirit. As a matter of fact, he says in, in verse 11 that that. Every individual is given gifts, but by this one Spirit. And every member of the body of Christ is vital and important in the kingdom of God, in the commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why is that? Why is that? Why is every single Christian vital? Why does he go on to show the whole body that, that, the, that the hand is just as important as the feet, as, as that that every part of the body is absolutely important, and even the weakest parts of the body deserve the most honor. Why does he go and make, make a whole chapter out of that? Well, it's because every single believer, every single Christian is united to Christ by faith, united in his suffering and his death. And their sins are buried with Him in the grave. And they're raised to newness of life and given the Holy Spirit. And as they're given the Holy Spirit, He gives us each gifts in our various callings in life, in our various vocations. That we would use them to be a witness of Christ every single day of our life. That's what happened in the book of Acts. And that is why every single day the Lord was pleased to add to his church daily such as were to be saved. That's an encouragement to us today. Christ is ascended. He gives his Holy Spirit. He commissions. He equips his servants, his people, Christians today throughout this world to be witnesses of him. Yes, he's given some to be apostles and ministers and pastors and elders and 
missionaries, and, but he's given all sorts of Christians with all sorts of gifts, diverse gifts, to be a witness to him. Well, what about you? What about me? As, a, as fathers, mothers, employers, employees, young people, whatever you're called to, every single one of us who believe in Christ have an active role to play in his kingship. Think about it this way. If Christ has ascended into heaven and he's given a crown and he's crowned king of kings, by faith we share in that crowning and we're commissioned to be his servants in his kingdom. This is precisely how Christ exercises his dominion. By his spirit, through his people. That's what we see in our third point. Christ's ascension is head of his church. He exercises his dominion. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's an enlarged vision. They had been in Jerusalem and maybe in Galilee, but, but here in, in, in Judea and to Samaria and to the end of the earth. It just keeps getting broader and broader. Yes, this will be your central station where you will receive your final training. You will receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that is to go to the end of the earth because I have been given all authority both in heaven and upon earth, the Lord Jesus Christ says. And the very gospel message and the word of the gospel is important in exercising this dominion. You see, the Holy Spirit witnesses with us and in us And he makes Christians who are then witnesses to the end of the earth. Jesus, in the final upper room discourse with the disciples, he ends it in prayer in John 17. And in one verse of that prayer, in verse 20, we find that Jesus is praying for his disciples, but not them only. He's also praying, he says, but all who will believe in me Through their word. You see, he's going to exercise his dominion through their word, through the gospel testimony. And he's established that gospel to be his vision, to be his rule, to be his life. And so therefore, he he calls us to be a part of that exercising of his dominion by being witnesses to Christ. It's not by earthly weapons, but it's by spiritual weapons. Weapons of prayer, weapons of his word, weapons of the gospel. Weapons of being a witness to Christ. And we're witnesses to Christ when we speak well of him. Wherever we go. We're witnesses to Christ when 
We gather and worship with him, even, even in this parking lot setting. To the world around us, we're witnesses to Christ. To who he is. And when we speak with our neighbors and evangelize, he adds, he's pleased then to add to his church daily. There are many people who have written comments like this. A church that lives for itself will also die by itself. And, and we need to recognize that. When we fail to exercise Christ's dominion and, and be exercised in it and allow him to exercise his dominion through us, that we will also die. Someone else wrote, a church exists by missions as much as a fire exists by burning. I'm, I'm afraid sometimes that we as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ do not understand this. We understand a church to be something that we come to church and we come like a vehicle, like the cars that you're in right now. We come to get our gas tanks filled up. We come to get our oil changed. And, and we come for maintenance rather than for building In other words, we come many times to fight fires rather than to grow a forest. We've lost sight of God's vision. Christ, who is the head of his church, we've lost his vision, his dominion, and his commission that we are to be witnesses to the world, witnesses to Christ in this world. And if we are not doing so, then, then we are dissenters. Many times um, a word like uh, parochialism comes, comes to our mind. Parochialism is really when we think about our own affairs more than the affairs and interests of others. And we, we, we want to we want to just make sure that we have it all together. We have everything that we need. And, and, and Jesus' Jesus' disciples were also thinking about that. Let's, let's just have our own community here in Jerusalem. When are you going to bring your kingdom back to Israel? They had the same thought in their own minds. And sometimes we have this too. I, I know I did, and I, I'm probably still guilty of it many times. But I, I know I was confronted with it several times in my life, especially in being called to ministry and, 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 and being involved in missions in any way, it's just, it really stretches you. And you realize just how, how this maybe even racist and prejudiced spirit lives within us and we think that we have it all figured out. And maybe we don't. Maybe the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he commands and commissions us to do and how he calls us to be involved in exercising his dominion needs to challenge us today. 
Do we have a missional heart? Do we consider Christ's dominion to the ends of the earth through his gospel? William Temple wrote these words. The Christian church is the one organization in the world that exists purely for the benefit of non-members. And that's all to the glory of Christ. And that's called mission. Yes, it's to grow in grace and in knowledge of Him. It's to, it's to have our children come to know Him and grow in that grace and knowledge of Him. But that existence is to be a witness to Christ to the end of the world. And so as we gather together today to celebrate the fact that Christ indeed has ascended, it has great implications for us as Christians to remember his crowning. And let us never forget that we are united to his coronation by faith. And that we need to remind ourselves again and again and again of the facts of the gospel. I write these things to you, said Luke, so that you may know and believe these truths. That they would be confirmed in your mind. That you would have a sure testimony of the gospel. That you would know the vision of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you would know his commitment to us in giving us his Holy Spirit. That we would pray earnestly for the baptism of the Holy Spirit also in our lives. That it would be a fresh pouring out of his Holy Spirit even upon us today here in Canada. And to remind us again of that great commission that Christ calls us to. That we would go forward day by day in his strength looking forward to that great day when he comes on the clouds of heaven. But in the meantime, I'm going to be a witness to Christ in this world. For he has ascended and he is head of his church. He is king. May God bless us and encourage us to be a church that is found here in the book of Acts. A church that doesn't merely exist for itself, but a church that exists for the benefit, benefit of all who would hear the glorious testimony of our King. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are confronted by the glorious truth of your ascension. And be pleased, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit to wean us from this world, granting us a complete dependence upon you, and that we would, we would lay up our treasures in heaven by being witnesses to you, even in this world. And that you, O Lord, would be pleased to bless it to the extension of your kingdom and to the glory of your name. We pray this, Lord, knowing that we are like those weak and frail and slow-to-understand disciples that you have called also in this world. And we pray then, Lord, fill us with your Spirit and go with us. And give us that clinging unto you that we will never let you go except you bless us 
And so bless us richly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.